Welcome, one and all, to the world's most popular Mblex Test Prep Podcast. It is the Mblex Test Prep Podcast. My name is David. I am your host on this amazing journey through the world of, world of the massage and bodywork licensing exam. Uh, before we begin, as always, I do have to let you know that I do have study guides available for purchase. Just go to my website, mblextestprep.com. You can order them directly from there. I have one that's dedicated for the Mblex. It covers uh, the, all the stuff that you are most likely to see on the Massage and Bodywork Licensing Exam. <clears throat> Excuse me. I also have another guide that has 10 practice tests, full-length Mblex practice tests inside of it with pre-made flashcards inside the book. All you have to do is cut them out, grab some scissors. You are done in a few minutes. And then you got pre-made flashcards, saves you a lot of time and a lot of money. I also have a guide uh, that's called Kinesiology Made Easy. So if you need to study kinesiology, if you're still in school, haven't taken kinesiology yet, or just need to brush up on kinesiology in preparation for the Mblex, that's the guide to get for sure. Uh, all of those available on my website, mblextestprep.com. Uh, and uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will get started. Welcome back to the show. Okay, so today, something fun. We're going to talk about joints. I ain't talking about the hippie lettuce. I'm talking about the joints in the body. Articulations. Articulation. And articulation is a joint. A joint is where two bones come together. Okay? So, a, let's, let's get started with, <laughs> with these joints. Okay, so joints are where two bones come together. Another name for a joint is an articulation. Okay, so we have three main types of joints. All joints are classified as one of these three types. And then we have subcategories for uh, at least one of them. Okay, so the three classifications of joints are synarthrotic, amphiarthrotic, and diarthrotic. So a synarthrotic joint is a joint that has little to no movement. Okay, so an example is the sutures in your skull. Think like the sagittal suture that connects the two parietal bones together right on top of the skull. There's very little, very little movement that occurs uh, in that joint. So that is a synarthrotic joint. Sin means together, so it holds those together really, really firmly. Amph amphiarthrotic joints are somewhat movable. So there's a little bit of movement that occurs in an amphiarthrotic joint, but not a whole lot. Um, okay, and then we have diarthrotic joints. Diarthrotic joints are freely Movable, so they have. There's a lot of movement. You you can, as I said, freely move these joints without any uh, any real restrictions. Some of them may, may not move a whole lot, but they are still considered diarthrotic joints because there really isn't a, anything restricting them from moving. You know, it, it, they're not sutures or or things like that. Uh, so an easy way to remember the order 
um, of these joint classifications, just remember the term SAD, synarthrotic, amphiarthrotic, diarthrotic. That gives you the order from least movable to most movable. Synarthrotic is the least movable, amphiarthrotic, a little bit of movement, diarthrotic, freely movable. SAD, synarthrotic, amphiarthrotic, diarthrotic, from least to most movable. Okay. Joints, where these bones come together, um, between them you have cartilage. Now, the, the cartilage is really thick cartilage. It's called hyaline cartilage. Okay, hyaline cartilage is kind of a shock absorber cartilage. So when there's, um, let's say when we do something like jump, when we jump and we land, there's a lot of, of pressure being placed, a lot of shock being placed in the knee. So the cartilage in the knee, the meniscus, kind of absorbs that shock and makes it so it doesn't really hurt the bones. The cartilage, the hyaline cartilage, also separates the bones. So even though they articulate, they come together, they are separated by that cartilage. That cartilage keeps the bones from rubbing against each other creating friction, uh, damaging the bones. When that cartilage starts to wear away, especially in places like the knee, um, or in massage therapist's case, the metacarpophalangeal joint of the thumb, uh, you can develop osteoarthritis. It's where the bones start rubbing against each other and you get arthritis in those areas. Uh, maybe even you know stuff like bone spurs can occur as a result and can be pretty painful. You definitely don't want bone rubbing on bone. That's not good. Okay. So between those bones, where they articulate uh, at the epiphyses, the ends of the bones, the epiphyses, uh, you have that cartilage that helps separate them and helps to absorb shock between those bones, keeps them from, from really getting hurt. Okay. Around certain joints, two joints, in fact, the shoulder joint and the hip joint, you have what's called a labrum. A labrum is another, um, another type of cartilage that's used to actually deepen those joints. So those joints without a labrum would not be as strong as they are, especially the shoulder. The shoulder, if you look at the shoulder and how it's constructed, the glenoid fossa is not that deep. The head of the humerus um, does not go very far into the glenoid fossa, which makes that joint kind of not as stable as something like the hip. Now, even though the hip also has a labrum, uh, it's not as important to the hip as it is to the shoulder in regards to stability. Okay, so the labrum surrounds that joint. Just think of it kind of like a circular cartilage surrounding that joint and helps make that joint deeper. It provides more structure and stability to that joint uh, so that dislocations and injuries to that joint don't occur as often. Okay? So a lot of athletes, uh, I don't want to say a lot of athletes, some athletes uh, actually tear the labrum in their shoulder. Um, and that, I mean, if you tear the labrum, then your shoulder becomes really unstable um, and performing actions like throwing a ball, not going to work. 
Uh, so they, they typically have it repaired surgically, um, get it back to where it, where it needs to be, um, and then they can resume their playing careers. Okay, so the labrum around the shoulder joint and the hip provides more stability for those joints. So inside, um, inside the joints, inside our diarthrotic joints anyway, we have uh, a synovial membrane. Okay, so the synovial membrane is this membrane that produces synovial fluid. Synovial fluid helps to lubricate our joints. Just think of the Wizard of Oz and when they find the Tin Man. He can't move, right? He's rusted. He can't move until they do what? They put oil in his joints, and then he can move. So our, the synovial fluid is like our oil. Helps us move. Helps give our joints lubrication. When you pop a joint, it's actually... Um, bubbles that have formed inside the synovial fluid that are being uh, destroyed. Let me see if I can... No, I can't do it. Sorry. Um, so you pop those joints and that, that's actually popping those bubbles. And yeah, fun stuff. So the synovial fluid helps to lubricate our joints. Surrounding those joints, like the knee joint, we have what's called um, the joint capsule. So the joint capsule just provides a little more stability to the joint. It holds everything in place where it needs to be with that joint. Just think of it as duct tape or saran wrap surrounding that joint, surrounding the knee that holds that structure together, it keeps everything in there. It keeps you know synovial fluid from leaking out everywhere. It keeps the synovial membrane where it's supposed to be. Okay, so inside of a joint, we have cartilage separating the bones we have a synovial membrane that makes synovial fluid, which fills the joint with fluid and helps to lubricate it. Then, then surrounding the entire joint, we have the joint capsule. Again, think of it as duct tape surrounding the joint. Provides a lot more stability to the joint and keeps everything inside the joint. Now, we just kind of talked about diarthrotic joints a little bit. Let's talk about the six types of diarthrotic joints. So we have six types of diarthrotic joints, all of which you can find in the upper limb. Kind of weird. So the first type, the shoulder joint, is a ball and socket joint. So what makes a ball and socket joint? Well, it's pretty simple. It's in the name. You have a ball on one bone, that goes into the socket on another. So the ball would be the head of the humerus, and the socket would be the glenoid fossa on the scapula. So ball and socket joints allow the, uh, a wide range of actions to take place. Circumduction is one of the prime ones that you think of. Flexion, extension, adduction, abduction, rotation. Uh, you name it, that joint does it for sure. Um, so that's ball and socket. Next up, hinge joints. So a hinge joint allows movement in one plane only. All it lets us do is flex and extend, like the elbow. The elbow does not rotate in any way. All it does is flex 
and extend. Okay? Just like a door. All it does is open and close. Open and close. Flex and extend. So those are hinge joints. Next we have pivot joints. Pivot joints allow us to turn a structure or rotate it. The pivot joints only allow rotation to take place. Okay, so if we're talking about the upper limb, the location of the pivot joint in the upper limb is the proximal radial ulnar joint. And that's where pronation and supination take place. Up where the, uh, the radial tuberosity is on the radius. That is the location of the proximal radial ulnar joint, pronation and supination. A lot of people think that that takes place in the hand, but put your, palpate the proximal radial ulnar joint and then perform those actions. You can feel the muscles, specifically the biceps, uh, contracting right there where that action takes place. Okay, so give it a shot. Next, we have plane or gliding joints. So, can be either name, plane or gliding. So, what defines a plane or gliding joint is the surface of the bones and where they articulate. Between plane and gliding joints, we have flat surfaces. Okay? And in between those surfaces, we have discs of cartilage. And that allows movement to take place really anywhere or in any direction, I should say. Uh, so those bones can move in any direction they want. There's only going to be a slight amount of movement, however, in those joints. Okay. So an example is the joints between the carpals. So the, between all of the carpal bones, like the scaphoid and the lunate, you have a disc of cartilage that separates them. So they can move just a little bit in any direction. They can, my way of remembering that, planes can fly in any direction. I know, it's stupid. You find ways to remember stuff, uh, whatever. As long as it helps you remember, you'll, you'll get it. Okay, next up, the saddle joint. Now, there's only one saddle joint in the body. I mean, t I mean two, two saddle joints in the body. They're located at the metacarpal phalangeal joint of the thumb. Okay. So there is only one carpal that articulates with the metacarpal of the thumb to make the saddle joint. And the reason they're called, it's called a saddle joint is the surfaces of those bones look like saddles. So you have one saddle sitting on top of another saddle. Okay. The carpal bone that helps to create the saddle joint is the trapezium. And we'll talk about carpal, the carvels in another episode um, of this wonderful podcast. Don't worry, it's coming. It's coming. Okay. So the only place in the body you have a saddle joint is the metacarpophalangeal joint of the thumb. That's it. It's created by those two surfaces of those two bones. They look like saddles. Okay. And the last type of diarthrotic joint that we've got an ellipsoid or condyloid joint. So you can see either name. These are really similar to a type of joint that we've already discussed. 
Ellipsoid or condyloid joints are really similar to ball and socket joints. So the ellipsoid refers to the elliptical cavity of a bone, which is really similar to a socket, just not as deep. Condyloid refers to the condyle of a bone, which is like a ball, just not as pronounced. Okay, so where you find this is the, uh, the radiocarpal joint between the scaphoid and the radius. So the, the distal end of the radius, uh, down near the styloid process, you have the elliptical cavity, kind of where it curves. Okay, that's the elliptical cavity. On the scaphoid, you have a condyle that goes into the elliptical cavity. So that's like the ball. Okay, so this, this allows a little bit of movement. You can flex and extend. You can adduct and abduct. You cannot, however, rotate that. Whereas ball and socket joints, you can rotate. Ellipsoid or condyloid joints, you cannot. Okay, so they're, they're pretty much identical, just not as the structures aren't as big, and you can't rotate. Okay, so those are all of our diarthrotic joints. Let's talk about, um, really quick, talk about some of those synarthrotic joints that I discussed. Uh, the sutures. Let's talk about specifically the sutures in the skull, in the cranium. Uh, so there are four main sutures that you should probably know that are part of the cranium. Okay. So these, are, these can be named after what they look like, uh, the bones that they connect, the body planes, etc. Okay, so... We'll start with the sagittal suture. The sagittal suture runs down the, uh, the middle of the skull from front to back on a sagittal plane. Okay, that's why it's called the sagittal suture. The sagittal suture connects the two parietal bones together. So the parietal bones are the bones on the sides of the skull, the side and the top of the skull. The sagittal suture connects those bones together. So if, like if you put your hands on top of your head and and lace your fingers, that's kind of what the sagittal suture does. Right? You just made a sagittal suture right there. It's just that easy. The next suture connects the frontal bone to the two parietal bones. Now think, about our, think about our body planes. Another name for the frontal plane is the coronal plane. This is called the coronal suture. Okay, so the frontal bone connects to the two parietal bones by the coronal suture. On the sides of the skull, you have another suture that connects the temporal bone to the parietal bone. And this is called the squamous suture. Squamous means scale-like. So it kind of looks like a scale on the side of your skull, connecting those two bones together. So temporal and parietal bone on the side of the skull connected by the squamous suture. And the final suture is located on the back of the skull. It's named after the Greek letter lambda. If anybody's seen Revenge of the Nerds, you know the Lambda, Lambda, Lambda fraternity. Kind of looks like a, a, a triangle. Greek letter Lambda looks like a triangle. Uh, this is called the Lambdoid Suture. 
the lambdoid suture, L-A-M-B-D-O-I-D, lambdoid suture, uh, connects the occipital bone to the two parietal bones. So it kind of com comes from, from the base of the skull, comes up like one side of a triangle, and then goes back down like the other side of a triangle to the other side of the base of the skull. Okay, so the landoid suture connects the occipital bone to the two parietal bones, and those are all synarthrotic joints. They are sutures. They do not move. Okay, so those are basically the joints. Those are, those are all the types of joints, the classifications of joints. That's the information on joints that you need to know. All right, when we come back, question of the week. It is now time for question of the week. All right, this week's question has, uh, you know, kind of a lot to do with medical terminology. I say it every week, every single podcast. You got to know your medical terms, and this is no exception. Here is the question. A podiatrist is a doctor that specializes in the ears, mouth, feet, bladder. So I'll read that one more time. A podiatrist is a doctor that specializes in the ears, mouth, feet, or bladder. Okay, so our medical terms can tell us the answer. If you know medical terminology, you can figure this out. Okay. So pod, the medical term pod means foot. Quadruped, ped and pod mean the same thing. Um, podiatry, okay, it means foot. So make sure you are studying your medical terms because something as simple as knowing that pod means foot can help you answer this question. Okay, a doctor that studies the bladder, uh, a urologist, someone that deals with urine. What is the bladder store? Urine. Okay. I mean, the mouth, it, it, a, lot of, a lot of doctors can study the ears and the mouth. Um ear, nose, and throat specialists often study, you know, that entire general area. But podiatrists only study the feet. Okay, so the answer is feet. But a podiatrist is a doctor that specializes in the feet. So make sure you are studying your medical terms because something as simple as medical terminology can give you that answer. Okay, so that about wraps it up today. Again, special shout out to Stabby Unicorn and the Brian Titus Trio for all of the music provided. And again, until next time, farewell.